0: couple of days as we look at Ephesians chapter two we're in a second portion part two of a sermon I started last week and and I'm going to have Andy and Emily come today it's it's awesome to have our kids with us in worship today and, and they're going to lead us as we read the text together hey good to see you, Andy I'm glad you're here And uh, take your Bible, you read silently, as Andy will read the first five verses, and Emily will read the next uh, few verses. Uh, Ephesians, that's where we're at, right? Chapter 2, verse 1 through
1: 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The Spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Amen. God raised us up. With Christ, He has seated us with Him in His heavenly kingdom, because we belong to Christ Jesus. He has done it to show the riches of His grace for all time to come. His grace can't be compared with anything else. He has shown it by being kind to us because of what Christ Jesus has done. God's grace has saved you because of your faith in Christ. Your salvation doesn't come from anything you do. It's God's gift. It is not based on anything you have done. No one can brag about earning it. God made us. He created us to belong to Christ Jesus. Now we can do good things. Long ago, God prepared them for us to do.
0: Thank you, guys. Thank you. You can have a seat. I appreciate your help today. Let's give our kids a hand for their leadership today. Thank you, guys. Well, as you heard, this is the passage we've been in. Now this is our second week. By way of review from last week, we are saved by grace through faith. See, authentic Grace always leads to this side effect we talked about last week. It's something that bubbles up inside of us. Wherever authentic grace is, when we're experiencing authentic grace of Jesus, then the side effect of faith in Him will bubble up inside of us. See, faith happens because grace happened. Now, faith without grace always leads to legalism and an absence of authentic power. We dry up and we get crusty and we, we just depend on ourselves. The flip side is true. Grace without faith leads to complacency, to bondage and habitual willful disobedience, habitual sin. Of We just love to soak up the grace, but we never allow the, the faith to bubble up inside of us. And that faith leads us to obedience. My faith, your faith, is nothing more than a result of the grace of God given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. I want to talk this morning and spend the the rest of our time looking at the fuel for the adventure that God calls us to, that fuel of faith. Now last week we looked at uh, the text in Acts, and Acts chapter 4, and we came down to verse 32 where it said, All the believers were in one mind, no one claimed that any of his possessions that were his own. But shared everything that they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. We talked last week how there was this spontaneous act of obedience. Great selflessness. We don't see any evidence of Peter having this, Hey, go sell all your stuff on eBay and and bring all your money to the feet of the apostles' seminar. He didn't say that. It was just a... It was a side effect. It was a response to the grace that they had. Much grace was upon them. And so much obedience, much faith, much trust that the choir just sing about came out of their life. Wherever we see grace in Scripture, faith or an aspect of faith is closely tied to it. I I don't know about you, but I'm a person who likes adventure. Uh, now, I know that's kind of a slippery word. For some of you, adventure is going out to the fridge in the garage uh, to get milk without socks. That's the greatest adventure that you go on. I, I know, it's, it's kind of adventuresome for you. But others of us, we we have something in us. We just like uh, some adventure, a little bit of risk. And I had an opportunity to see the Grand Canyon when I was a child, and, and I wanted Tayden, my daughter, to experience that. And so a few years ago, she was about six years of age, and I thought this would be a great Family vacation to go on an adventure to the Grand Canyon. And so uh, we made plans and we packed up and, and we decided to take off for the Grand Canyon and we were going to do it right. We were going to rough it. And, and that is sleeping in a tent and hiking and showers optional, maybe one of those in the week somewhere, but it was just going to be a great adventure. And on my way with my family, we loaded up the truck and got a U-Haul trailer to pull some of the gear behind the truck and, and we were committed. We were going. We were about eight hours into our drive and, and I kind of looked at like seasonal charts on weather so we brought some cold weather gear with us but I didn't really look to specific weather reports and about eight hours into our trip we were way committed into going. I started seeing little messages begin to pop up on my phone from the weather app that there was a big storm coming at the Grand Canyon and I made this drastic mistake. I, I seem to think that at, at the top of the Grand Canyon would be warmer than at the bottom in the valley and so I said oh we're fine we're fine and, and we got there and and this picture kind of shows when we came and uh, I knew something was coming and when we pulled into the gates of the Grand Canyon the, the park ranger there said are you guys sure you want to camp I'm like yes we want to camp we're adventurous people like well like outside well yeah outside are you park ranger you're supposed to be into camping and he said well do you know what's coming well sure we'll be fine and out of my heart for adventure, there was some ignorance there. And, and we set up camp. This next picture, we kind of got it set up. I thought, well, I'll just put a tarp up. That'll kind of help things out. But what can happen in one night? I mean, there's not that much that can happen in one night. We should have a great time. Uh, we are troopers. I love adventure. Nothing can go wrong. Even though the park ranger said, are you sure? I said, hey, hey, trust me. I'm outdoorsman Brady. It will be fine. And so we woke up the next morning to this. This is what we saw. Friends, at this point, you need to know that the family vacation was on very, very thin ice. <laughs> the only person remotely having fun at that moment was me. And uh, in this next slide here, when I began to see the tent kind of cave in under the weight of the snow, I began to doubt my own adventurous spirit. And when we read this passage of Scripture and we talk about faith and the fuel for the adventure being faith, this adventurous spirit is not something that we conjure up ourselves. This was mostly out of my own ignorance. I had some warning. I had some people who were giving me some caution, but I went my own way. I, I didn't want to heed their advice because I knew what I was doing. And, and I've seen people get themselves in quite a jam. And they begin to move down life, down a, a certain path, and they begin to say, where is God? And, and faith doesn't work, and this grace thing you're talking about doesn't work. And, and that adventure had nothing to do with God. It was a plan that you set up by yourself going down the path that you wanted to go down and you experienced some things kind of like this that's come crashing down. And so after this morning and we kind of dusted the snow off and tried to make light of what this vacation could be, I was bound to determine that Caden could see the Grand Canyon. Now we could have gotten a hotel and holed up and just stayed there. or We could have, you know, packed up and gone home. But we came this far and I wanted her to see the huge, vastness of the grand canyon and we were going to go hiking and so this next picture if, if you've never been to the grand canyon that looks like a big path yeah it's about like four feet wide and uh you get to go down that and if some mules are using the path they get to use that path as well uh the kids that the parents behind you that aren't watching their children who are doing a snowball fight they use that path as well and and while four or five feet may seem pretty big when you see how far down it goes it feels like it's an inch wide and so I thought, okay, it's one thing to get my family out here at the Grand Canyon and to do this camping thing and we get doused with snow and that was pretty stupid. But but this is really risky. I need to seek somebody who knows more about this than myself. And so I went and I found the park ranger who, who kind of warned me before and I said, Hey, we want to go hiking. And, and and so we're planning to go to the Bright Angel Trail and go down in the canyon and it's gonna be awesome and You wanna what? Oh no. You mean we can't go hiking? Well, sure, you can go hiking, but, but don't go down that trail. Hey, you don't know my family. We're adventuresome. She said, it is way too risky. I said, you mean they block it off so no one can go? No, it, it stays open, but it's not advisable. Don't go down that path. She said, the, the Bright Angel Trail is, is in the, the shade quite often, and, and so it, it's going to have a whole lot more ice there, and, and you're going to you're gonna have some problems. She said, but if you go to the South Kaibab Trail, you could start there, and you can go down in the trail, and, and it's, going to be, it's going to be good. But I didn't want to go there. I mean, they had more t-shirts for the Bright Angel Trail, and I wanted to wear this and be proud of what we conquered. And, and she said, but, but listen, if you have the right gear, and I'm thinking, right gear? We're walking, right? I said, well, we got boots. She goes, well, you have trekking poles, right? Well, no. Will you have like some crampons or some ice cleats, right? No. Now, now you need to understand, my idea of a great vacation is when you can spend as little money as possible. So if you can go on vacation for $9, sign me up. That's what I love. And this thought of having to buy some extra stuff that I didn't plan on, now I'm not having fun and the, the probability of nobody having fun is increasing, but I thought, wait a minute. If we're going to experience the Grand Canyon, if we're going to have this adventure, I need to listen to the one who's the pro, the one who's been there, the one who their very job is to guide you through the park. And so I I went to their, their store and I, I ended up spending more than I wanted to. And I got some trekking poles for each of us. And we got some things for our feet to help us grip on the ice. And, and we kind of suited up. And this next picture shows that, uh, well, that's, that's how, how deep down it was. And those little lines you see, yeah those are those big trails. And uh, they don't seem so big when you're up there. And then this next picture here, uh, w- with Caden took this instruction from the park rangers pretty seriously. So she wanted to get sworn in as, as our own junior park ranger. And, and we're trying to follow the advice of that park ranger to a T. And whenever I would try to vary that or go off on the old, my own dad knowledge, Caden would stand there as a deputized park ranger, junior ranger, and say, that's not what she said. And so here, this next picture. Is my girls, and they're showing off what they've got on their feet. And we begin to make our way down that South Kaibab Trail. Now, as we were going down the trail, I came across a lot of different things. I saw some people at the top who said, oh, it's way too dangerous. You can't, you can't hike today. But I had confidence because I knew the park ranger said, it's absolutely fine. If you have the right gear, if you, if you act safe, if you don't play around and you treat this with respect, you'll be fine. I also made my way down the trail with my family and I saw some people who did not have the gear on that we had. And they were slipping and they were sliding. I saw some kids who their parents weren't really watching them too much and they decided to have a snowball fight on this, this very narrow edge and they slid and came real close to going over and, and they were goofing off and, and, and they had reason to be afraid. But as I listened to the park ranger who had been there, who had gone down that path, I had confidence my faith would increase. I share that story with you because I believe that's what God wants us to catch. As we talked last week about grace and the side effect of faith, it's not some ornament that we just hang on our life. It's something that we, it's not something we just kind of decorate ourselves with, but I've got a little bit of faith. The faith, this byproduct, this side effect from experiencing the grace of God is there to fuel you in your mission in life, in the adventure He calls you to. Not the stupid things you decide on your own, but when you have the guide, far more knowledgeable, than the one who just knows the trails, the one who created the trails for your life. And he says, you can go there. You need to, go. You need to be equipped like this. You need to wear these things. You need to listen to these instructions. You will be saved. Listen and look at Mark 16, verse 15 through 19. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. You see, this command to, to go, this, this calling to adventure, it is not a play it safe role in life. It's not just stay comfortable and, and get enough grace to kind of help you get out of hell and, and then just try to be the king of your own kingdom. It's kind of fun to be the king of your kingdom, to be the king of your house or the king of your class or, or the king of your own team or whatever it is. But God calls us to go beyond that. He has an adventure and, and he has this very clear calling from the beginning to go. Look at verse 17 of Mark 16. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. That didn't sound very safe to me. That didn't make me feel very comfortable. And they will speak in new tongues or languages. What is this about? They will pick up snakes with their hands. What are we talking about? This sounds dangerous. I don't think I like this. And when they drink deadly poison, I guess like Diet Mountain Dew or Diet Dr. Pepper or something like that, it will not hurt them all. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get, well, there's a calling to go and there's a mission to do something that in in any other realm would seem very dangerous, but because the very Spirit of God was with them, the grace of Jesus that they had experienced, they had faith, To obey instantly and radically. It didn't sound like a play it safe kind of life to me. I mean, the Great Commission starts off with this horrible word, go. A lot of times I don't want to go. I'd I'd rather curl up and hide and stay cozy. In fact, I, I just want to hide or stay in my living room. I want to stay in my lazy boy chair. I just want to stay here and watch Sports Center and keep to myself. But God says, go. He has a calling for us. And and this result of the grace that we receive should catapult us forward in radical obedience, faith in Him, to trust Him for something. Today, there's there's so many sensational ideas of risk or adventure. There's best-selling books about how to sell everything you have and, and do some extreme thing for Christ. And I think that's fantastic. And sometimes God calls you to do something very, very, very on the edge or the margin. But I want to propose a different aspect of risk, a different aspect of adventure today. Now, you won't find this principle I'm going to share with you in any best-selling book at Barnes & Noble or best-selling book at the Christian bookstore. It just doesn't sell very many books. I've met some people who have this extreme response and if god calls you to do this, that's great But there's some people who say well bless god. I'm gonna be radically obedient for him I'm gonna sell everything I have on ebay. I'm gonna sell all my cars I'm gonna get rid of all all the clothes I have but one pair just me my sandals and my walking stick I'm just gonna go to africa and i'm gonna reach people for jesus And if god tells you to do that, that's good. But I think there's another aspect to this risky adventure you see When God tells us to go, He's not telling us to run away. And sometimes we take this extreme path and we just run away from the very hard calling, the hard adventure He's placed us in. Some of us, the greatest faith challenge in our life, men, is to learn what it means to stay. To stay committed to your spouse, to your wife. For the rest of your life, to only fantasize about one woman, your wife, for the rest of your life, to go against what culture tells you should be exciting. You be faithful to her to the day that you die. This is an adventure. This is risky. This is worth it. And the grace of God will call you and give you faith, trust, to be faithful and obedient to what he says. For some of us, this this call to an adventure, to risk everything for Him, is to, to risk not trying to, to move up the ladder and try to get the next promotion and try to, to gain as much toys for yourself, but you're going to stay faithful where God has planted you at that place of work. You're going to be a witness regardless if it has negative impact on your career path, and you're going to be risky right where He has planted you. And our culture that, that treats even religion and church as some kind of consumeristic activity. God is calling Christians and not to shop churches and try to hop around and find the one that's the best fit for them. God may be calling you to stay rooted in the community that He's planted you in. To spend the long haul doing life with other Christians in an adventure of risk. What does it look like for you to follow the adventure that God has called you to? I don't know that I want adventure. Your guide. Your Jesus. Your Savior, who has given so much grace to you, compels you to follow Him. And says, it's going to be the best way to live life if you follow Me. Some of us need to get off the couch and follow Him. Others, we need to... Stop following our own self-serving adventure and follow his adventure. Now many will embrace grace, but few will but many will also refuse to be transformed by it. They'll try to separate the grace from the faith. I want the, the free gift of grace that God gives, but I don't want this byproduct, this side effect of faith to rise up and cause me to be obedient in radical ways. When you truly experience God's grace, it changes everything. You see, all throughout Scripture, when people encountered Jesus, it forced a decision to be made. They had to either accept Him or reject Him. When you experience the very grace of Jesus, it will change you. See, James tells us that when we face all kinds of problems in our life, we should consider it pure joy because it's it's an opportunity to test and prove our faith. Now remember, faith is not something that, that we muster up and, <laughs> Ash, i got a lot of faith. I've been working out and I just got some faith because it's in me. See, some of us, we're not hearing this. We don't live by grace. We live by other people. We live by the church. We live by that mentor. And so when that church lets you down, when that mentor lets you down, everything falls apart. But when you are saved by grace alone through faith your faith itself is not something you muster up. It's a byproduct of what Jesus has done in you. Now now kids, we can't always see faith. We can see the evidence, the byproduct of what happens in faith, but you can't always see it. And and to help us understand this today, I came across this and and this helped help me. You know, I've got two water bottles here, and they're they're the same water bottles. And and we can't see any difference in them or what's inside of them. don't see any difference. But, but something happens. When we go through life, there's things that happen. There's problems. There's pain. There's grieving. And, and, and fear will creep up. And Satan loves fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of ridicule. Fear of not getting what we want. Fear of being made fun of. And, and, and fear will come at us. And We'll see two different people that look the same. We don't see much difference in them, but but there's a huge difference. Even though you can't see faith always, the evidence of what happens, and, and when when fear comes at you, it will hit you and it will crush every part of who you are. And you just feel like your entire skeleton is smashed. But you will you will find the, the, the same looking person who has the very faith. That is a byproduct or the side effect of God's grace. And it's the trust that they have, not because their structure is so much stronger, but there's something different. The trust they have in God allows them, they have the same fear that comes at them, the same problems that come at them, the same trials that come at them, but they don't seem to be crushed the way that the other is crushed. There's a resilience. They, they take the same beating that the world has, but the faith in Jesus that we have gives us strength to withstand the storm. I, I challenge us today, church, to, to not be the person who wants to cling to grace, but run away from the calling of action by faith. Romans 1.16 tells us, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First the Jew and then the Gentile. What is Paul saying here? He's saying he's not ashamed. He's not afraid. He's not going to shut down the good news of the gospel. Because grace is so good, he's got to go on this adventure. He's got to speak about the things that he's seen, the things that he has experienced of Jesus. I ask you this morning, friend, have you really experienced the grace of Jesus? I don't know. I come to church. I, I believe in If you've experienced the grace of Jesus, that side effect of faith will bubble up. It's not you. It's it's this, I can trust the one who is taken away. Now, if I separate these two, I can make grace into something that it's not. Some greasy interpretation of that. But the adventurous journey that God calls you on, you will always be lacking the power and the, the, the strength to obey because the faith of God has not welled up in you. Scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from the word. From the living word, Jesus, the written word, the Bible. When we take in what it says about who he is and who we are, it increases the faith inside of us. Some of us need to be reminded. There is nothing good in you. Well, a little bit. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. That's why John 3.30 is a life verse for me. He must increase and I must decrease. There's nothing good in Brady. The more of him I get, and the less of me, the better we all are. And guess what, friend, that's true for you. And when you experience the kind of grace, the gift that you don't deserve, that God loves you just like you are, right where you are, it will lead you to a response to say, I want to obey what God has for me. As we get ready to close this morning, I feel that it's very appropriate for us today, as we look at this fuel of faith for the journey, Hebrews chapter 11, if you want to turn with me, Hebrews 11, this faith chapter, this hall of fame of faith, it it lists all these people. It says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice. By faith, Enoch did this. By faith, Noah did that. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Abraham did that. By faith, Isaac. And it goes on and on and on about how by faith, these men or these women did these things. But then there's this verse that just, just really aggravates me sometimes when I, when I read this. Verse 13 of Hebrews 11. All of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. See, I think the takeaway for us today is God's love for you is so real. Some of us have been faith only people, and you need to recognize your faith in yourself, your faith in your church, your faith in your mentor, your faith in your work ethic is worthless. You are saved by grace and through faith. And you need to come to the understanding that God loves you so much, there's nothing that can separate you from His love. And you have to choose to accept that. Others of us, we've been such grace people that we waller around in the good news of the grace, but we never allow this natural, godly, byproduct, side effect to, to spring up in the faith in Him, the trust in Him, which leads to obedience. And so we stay stuck in chains of sin over and over and over. And this is not the adventure that God calls us to. When He says, go, be about my mission, He says, the fuel to keep you going is the faith you have, not what you muster up, but what comes from my great love for you. But we will test this out, and we'll come to a heartache in life, we'll come to an obstacle in life, and we'll say, see, it didn't work. But I think a closing key for us is these heroes of the faith, they didn't receive the things that were promised to them, just like you and I may not receive all the things that are promised to us here None of this makes sense if you mark the end of time as just your life on this earth. But if you see yourself as a foreigner, as an alien, as a stranger to earth, and you welcome eternity as your lifelong journey with Christ, the confidence that your guide will lead you can increase your faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. I thank you for what you've been teaching us about grace and about faith. Reminding us that we don't save ourselves, We don't have obedience out of our own tenacity or willpower. We don't even muster up trust in you in difficult times because we're such good, refined, reformed people. It's by your grace, through trust and faith in you, because of your grace, that we want to obey instantly. And risky obedience today. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in and through us today. Amen and amen. As we close today, would you stand and lift this song as your declaration and response to His Word today? Blessed be the name of the Lord. We sing it together. Blessed.